are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Well, I'm... uh... If I get a chance to preach once more during the summer, I'll be through on the, uh, uh, the series in Colossians. Today we're going to be doing from uh, Colossians chapter 4, and I'm covering verses 2 to 6. The title of the message today is How to Be an Effective Christian. We all want to be effective in our Christian walk, don't we? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So I'll read those, uh, those couple of verses here. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make, most of, make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Father in heaven, I just ask that you would make this word clear to our hearts today. We thank you, Lord, for the promise of the anointing, Lord, on your word. Your, your word says that it will not return unto you void, but will accomplish that which you purpose. And so, Lord, we just ask that your will be done in this service in Jesus' name. Amen. I read recently a summary for a book entitled, Seven Habits of Highly Effective Christians. It, uh, the title, of course, is taken from uh, the book that, written by Stephen Covey entitled The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I'm going to list the seven habits of highly effective Christians as a way of introduction to this message this morning. Got to move my just thing over here just a little bit more so I can see the whites of everybody's eyes right now. Okay, there we go. Okay, first of all, highly effective Christians read and obey God's Word. They are hearers and not only, not only hearers, but they're doers. They read and obey God's Word. They have an active prayer life. In other words, they practice his presence. And when you think of prayer, sometimes you, you think of, of a kneeling posture or flat on your face before God or, or maybe you, you're, you choose to walk around and pray. But uh, it's practicing the presence of God. Everything you do can be bathed in prayer. I mean, you can, be, you can think prayer. You can say prayer under your breath. You can say prayer in your mind. It's amazing the ways that you can communicate with God. 
God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So you don't need a physical position to pray. When you, have a, when you have a need, when you think of somebody, when you think of something that needs prayer, you just say it to God, and you don't have to go with a whole wherefores and thoufores, all of these things. Just say, Lord, I just pray for Chris. It just came to my mind that time maybe he needs prayer. Whatever it is, Lord, I pray that you will bless Chris today. And that's the way it is. You're, just, you're praying. The Bible tells us to pray and, and don't stop praying. Um, next, they, they set spiritual goals. I want to be a soul winner. I want to share my faith. Or I want the gifts of the Spirit operating in my life. I want what God wants for me. I want to be able to counsel people when I, when I speak to them, when they tell me of their troubles, I want to be able to say something that is productive in their lives. I want to do something for God. I want to, to move in the prophetic. I want to do something that God wants me to do. I want to be in the center of his will. Spiritual goals. They cultivate the talents of others. They're not jealous when they see somebody that can sing better than them or somebody that can play music better than them or someone who can play the drums better than them, someone who can pray better than them, someone who can speak better than them. They're not, they're not jealous over that, but they, they encourage that. And when they see somebody who, who uh, has some gifts and special talents, they want to cultivate that in their life. They want to encourage them. They want to... To mentor that, they want to enforce that in their lives. They take responsibility for souls. In other words, we realize that the, 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 when Cain asked the Lord, when the Lord asked him, what, where is your brother Abel? And, and Cain said, I don't know, where, am I my brother's keeper? And the question uh, it, it begs an answer, and the answer is yes, I am my brother's keeper. And so when someone fails, when someone does something that is wrong, when somebody sins out and out sin, you know, you don't kick them when they're down. When, they, they've been, when they've fallen, you try to raise them up. You try to bring them up again. You try to encourage them and say, get up, dust yourself off, and start serving God. God is not, not angry at you because you've done this. He just wants you to, to ask him forgiveness and get on with life. Amen? They serve others. They want to, to be servants. And they remain focused on the kingdom of God. Kingdom first people. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added on to you. And that's what, that's what highly effective Christians do. Amen? Are you a highly effective Christian? Well, well I wish I was. I strive to be. But there's a lot of these things that are lacking in my life. But if I want to be top-notch, if I want to be on the cutting edge of being a Christian, then here is the, there's the formula for being highly effective. Prior to making his closing comments in chapter 4, Paul appeals for, the, for action. 
which will ensure that we will be effective Christians. First of all, he says, devote yourselves to prayer. As Paul writes in King James, continue earnestly in prayer. And just as he, he, he wrote again to, to Romans, uh, in Romans chapter 12, 12, be faithful in prayer. He wrote to the Thessalonians, in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, uh, verse 17, pray without ceasing. This was a concern also of our Lord when he said, men ought always to pray and never give up. You never give up praying. And when you have a request before God, you know, you can, you can say, hey, listen, Lord, I prayed for this last week. I came forward for this last week. And the, the, old, the enemy of your soul will say, well, that's good enough. You know, you still got the pain. You still, you're still got the need. You still don't have a job. But you asked for prayer last week. So that would be a lack of faith if you went forward this week and asked someone to agree with you for prayer. That's the way the devil works upon your mind. Jesus said, never give up praying. Don't faint. Don't give up praying. Amen? And, and then we go to, to Paul's writings, and he says, pray without ceasing. You always pray and never give up. David was a man of prayer. And uh, many of the Psalms are prayers. You say, well, I don't know how to pray, Pastor. You know, like I, I, I say a couple of words, and then I, that's it. Well, there's sometimes that a couple of words is good enough. You say what's on your heart. I mean, if, if, a, if a child comes up to their parent and they says, Mom, I, uh, I would like a glass of milk. May I have a glass of milk? And uh, this, later on this evening, I want a, a Pepsi. And later on, I want, you know, a, uh, some crackers. You don't have to go on and on and on. What the immediate need right now is a glass of milk. But there may be things that you need that you want to ask God for, and you need to be specific about it as well. But the Psalms, the Psalms can help you to pray. After you've prayed, after you've prayed your specific prayer, you can open up the book to the Psalms and, and just about anywhere you can find as you just read it along, it's a prayer from your heart as well. The prayers that David prayed that are recorded are just amazing that how they relate to you. It's just as relevant as the day that David spoke them. Daniel was a man of prayer. And, uh, and then Anna, she was an elderly widow uh, who was praying to see the Messiah. And the Bible says she prayed, and she, after, after her husband died, she spent her time in the temple praying and seeking God. And this one day she was there praying, and all of a sudden, Mary and Joseph comes in with that little baby child. And there came a witness to her, Holy, to her spirit by the Holy Spirit and said, this is the Messiah. And how did she know? It was just a little baby. But God made it, made it real to her. 
The Christians in recorded uh, events in the, in the book of Acts showed the secret to success was their prayer life and as they prayed. So many people pray only when they're in a crisis. And it's really well when you pray when you're in a crisis. You really need help. But sometimes the old enemy lays a, lays a, a burden upon you, a, a guilt trip on you. If, you. if you're not practicing prayer when things are going right, when things are going wrong, the, the old devil will speak in your mind and say, well, what are you doing? Yeah, you're praying now. You really need help. But, you know, like, you, 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 you don't pray. But it is good to pray over everything. God desires that we would, we would pray often. Pray with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Practice his presence. Jesus is with you always. You see, when you're practicing the presence of God, you're acknowledging that Jesus is here. No matter where I'm at, Jesus is here. And so I can just speak to him just like, like if I'm speaking to my brother here, you know, like, hi, Ernie, how you doing? Ernie, could you loan me $5? Jesus, I'm broke. You understand? You don't have to get away in a certain place. You, you just speak to him. He's here. He's as close as the mention of his name. Amen? Jesus exhorts us to be watchful in prayer. True alert, watchfulness, watchful praying will not be caught in times of, of temptation, temptation to sin. Everyone is tempted to sin. But if your prayer life is down, you're more likely to submit, to yield to it. Be thankful. Throughout his epistle to the Colossians, there has been emphasis on being thankful. Thanksgiving is mentioned in the Bible 69 times. That, at least that's what they tell me, the Bible scholars. and I, I, I believe it because if it was wrong, somebody would have corrected them by now. People love correcting someone when they're wrong. <laughs> Psalms 136.6 says, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love or his mercy endures forever. When we're thankful, our focus moves off selfish desire and off the pain of the current circumstances. Expressing thankfulness reminds us that we are continually receiving from God. That's why we, we bless our meals. We're, we're acknowledging the Lord, you know, like I may have a good job, you know, like but I, I recognize that you allowed me to have this job. You know? Lord, I have a good car, but I, I acknowledge that you have given me the wherewithal to have that car. Or you blessed, uh, you blessed the, the bank manager to give me a loan. <laughs> Whatever it may be. But all of our circumstances centers around the fact that as we seek God and as we pray and seek his face, we continually receive blessings from him. 
Expressing thankfulness reminds us that we are continually receiving from God grace and mercy and peace and physical and spiritual and material blessings as well. It's no coincidence that we are healthy here today. It comes from God. There's no coincidence that you get healed. It comes from God. Thankfulness is not only appropriate, it is actually healthy and beneficial to us. It pays to be a believer. So let's be sure to abound with thanksgiving, especially in light of, of uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 18 to 32, which reads, But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppressed the truth by their wickedness. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, instead, they became utter fools. And you know something? When we stray into comparing God or, or, or putting God to our, our standard, bringing God down to our way of thinking and that, we run, we run the risk of running astray, going astray. And uh, then we can become unthankful. Unthankfulness leads to all kinds of sin and debauchery. And the Bible says, so God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their heart desired. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. You see, God don't, don't twist our arm. God don't say, okay, you have got to serve me. If you want to live an eternal life, yes, you've got to serve him. There's no way around that. But you can reject eternal life. And you can say, I'm going to do what I want. And I don't care what the Bible says. This is what I believe. Well, if what you believe is not what the Bible says, it's not worth nothing in God's eyes. Amen? And so God just gave them over. Let them do whatever they want to do. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. It's important also to be specific in prayer. Paul requested, pray for us that God will give us many opportunities to speak. You know, your, your leadership, the leadership of the church needs your prayers. The, those who do the children's work need your prayers. Our youth pastor, worship leader, he needs your prayers. I need your prayers. Pastor Lance needs your prayers. It's important. It is amazing the things we will never know this side of heaven. 
How many times that the, the enemy has been cut down, the enemy has been blocked because people have taken upon their heart to pray, to whisper a prayer and say, God, bless Pastor Lance today. Bless Pastor Hayward today. Bless Pastor Ernie today. Bless Pastor Cynthia today. You see, God hears prayer and he answers prayer. And those people who believe in prayer, who believe in seeking God's face, are powerful in seeing God's work go ahead. Acts chapter 4 illustrates the power of specific prayer. Acts chapter 4 verses 29 and 31 says, And now, O Lord, hear their threats. Give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your servant Jesus. This was a prayer that they prayed after they were threatened, never again to speak in the name of Jesus. But listen what happened. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they preached the word of God with boldness. And then he says, walk in wisdom, verse 5. Live wisely among those who are not believers and to make the most of every opportunity. Christians must use wisdom in how they conduct themselves. We can influence unbelievers for good or for bad. I have heard some horror stories of what people who profess to be Christians did to people who were not Christians. Bad deals, dishonesty, things that never should come from a Christian. And things like that causes a person to sort of paint the church with a broad brush. And you'll hear words sometimes, if that's what Christianity is all about, I don't want nothing to do with it. But the fact is, that's not what Christianity is all about. Then people will say, I don't go to church because there are too many hypocrites in the church. Well, most of the hypocrites are in the world, but a lot of them are in the church too. But that's no reason to turn your back on God. That's no reason to stop fellowshipping because there are some bad apples in the barrel. Amen? See, we focus on the Lord. We focus on what He has done and what He is doing. And it doesn't matter who we are. You can be a pastor. You can be a priest. You can be an evangelist. You can be a man or a woman who's been serving God for 50 years and serving him faithfully, and you can fail. We can all fail. We let one another down. But Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails.
So after this prayer, they began to preach the word of God with boldness. Walk in wisdom. The world is constantly making judgments concerning us. Give CNN just a little tidbit. And if it's about Christians, if it's about the church, they'll ride that for weeks until something juicier comes along. But our conduct, our words, and our deeds influences people. Our actions and our reactions can encourage or discourage. Your love for one another will prove that you are my disciples, Jesus said. John chapter 17, 20, 21, in his high priestly prayer, he said, I'm praying not only for those disciples, those people that he had around him then, the 12, but he said, I'm also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that you will, that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be one in us, so that the world will believe that you sent me. There is nothing more powerful than unity within the body of Christ. And I'm not just talking about unity in Colate Christian Church, okay? I'm talking about unity within the body in every community. Unity amongst the, the brothers and sisters in Christ. We are not the only church. We are not the only way. Everyone who believes in Jesus Christ, everyone who preaches the word, are part of this big body of believers. And so we need to have unity. We don't, we don't need to be looking down our nose at our, at our brothers and sisters across the street. But we need to have a love and a respect and realizing that people who will never come inside of this door because of our denominational tag will gladly go to a Baptist church or a Lutheran church or an Anglican church or an Alliance church and feel quite at home and be, be able to settle in and really worship and praise God in that place. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, and we need never forget that. Walk in wisdom. Be careful what you say. Make sure you don't make it sound like you got the best church and there's no other church in town. Amen? Everybody is welcome that comes here. We take the believers and the unbelievers all alike. And we say, if you want to worship God, this is the way we do things here. This is what we do. This is what we believe. If you can live with that, then you're welcome. You can be a part of us. Amen? Speak with grace. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. This includes our conduct as well. The power of the tongue is vividly illustrated in James chapter 3. James tells us that it affects the entire body. It's just like the rudder of a ship. It can have great destructive power 
or it can have great redemptive power. We can use it for, for both good and evil. Therefore, we need to learn to speak with grace. Ephesians chapter 4, 29, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Your words should be good and helpful and encouraging. Anything that is harmful to character emotions is corrupt. And we can all fall into that. Hit us on the right day or the wrong day, whichever you choose. Right? I remember one, one Monday morning, we had a great service. The service, a young girl got filled with the Holy Spirit. Someone got saved. There was just good things were happening that Sunday. And on Monday morning, I was sort of eavesdropping on, on a phone call that Effie was having with one of the people in our church. And you all know Effie, and she's a very likable and easy-to-get-along-with person. But someone was sort of raking her over the coals. And you don't do, to, do that to my sweetheart. And so um, I picked up the phone and the first words out of my and I said it in a very harsh way, what's your problem? <laughs> the wrong thing to do. It wasn't words of grace. It caused me so much, so much problems, I had to Eventually, I stood before the congregation and, uh, and made an apology. And uh, we sort of fixed things up a little bit. But uh, things were never the same between, between us anymore. And that's sad because uh, it can happen so fast. And once a word is out of your mouth, it's out there. And it doesn't matter if somebody is so close to you. You know, it could be your best friend. It could be your wife, no matter who it is. Or it could be your child. And once you've said it, it's out there. And you can say sorry all you like. But it is very hard for that person to believe you're really sorry. And it causes problems. The enemy works on that. So let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Our words should be good, helpful, encouraging. Anything that is harmful to, to character or emotion is corrupt. It has no place in Christian conversation. We should choose our words carefully. We especially need to watch our language around those who are not Christians. Those of you who are in the, in the trades especially in the oil field. I know what you go through. I know what you, what you have to put up with. And I know if your prayer life is not up to snuff and you are not reading your Bible as you should be. And someone tells some of those very, very off-color jokes. There are very few clean jokes in the oil field, right? 
They're messy. You'll find yourself cracking a grin, smiling, or a big hee-haw, and you feel like dirt after. You feel like kicking yourself. I know what it's like, guys. I've come home from working after working my regular shifts and then working a week of overtime, getting back to church and feeling like I didn't fit in with the congregation because I felt so tainted by what I've been in for so long. But I wanted to tell you something. These are, these are guidelines to help you to do things the right way. And if you find yourself doing something the wrong way, you find that you've answered in an ungodly way, you find that you've laughed when you should have gotten up and walked away, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. And if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I could never be a Christian, let alone an effective Christian, if I didn't make keep short accounts with God. I could never be a minister of the gospel if I didn't keep short accounts with God. I want you to understand that you have an awesome privilege in serving Jesus Christ. He's not there to kick you when you're down. He's not here to cause you to feel ashamed and to cause you to feel that you're not worth living, you're not worth being a Christian, that you just can't make it, you're not good enough to make it. He wants you to know that his grace is sufficient for you. In whatever you are going through, whatever addiction you may be facing, no matter what it may be, whatever your weakness may be, and every one of us in this building has a weakness, there's no one so strong that you're not weak in some area. And God wants to strengthen you in that area of your weakness and to help you to be the man or woman of God that he has called you to be. And so he says, you speak with grace so that you will have the right response for everyone. A servant of of the Lord must not quarrel. So I'm going to conclude, conclude this right now, right here. And these are, are simply exhortations. If truly heeded, they can have a powerful impact on your lives and the lives of others. Devote yourself to prayer. Be thankful. Walk in wisdom. And speak with grace. To be effective means to produce results. God has planned that your Christian life should bear fruit. And you can see spiritual growth in your life 
if you do these things. So, how is your life? Ask yourself this question. How is my life influencing others? Because every one of us are influencing others. We influence our family. We influence our children. We influence the people we work with, the people we associate with, for good or for bad. Let's determine that I'm going to do, with God's help, the best I can to influence people in the right way. If we will follow these biblical instructions, then we will be highly effective Christians. You want to stand with me? We're going to pray. Maybe there's someone here today and you want, you want prayer. And if you want prayer, I would suggest that you come quickly because we need to get those, those chairs back before everyone leaves. And so, but we don't want to close a service without giving opportunity for anyone who do not uh, know God, don't, know, don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ to, to receive him into your heart. And we would love to pray with you for that. If you, have, you need prayer for sickness uh, or anything else that you, you might need, uh, maybe you need a job right now. Uh, maybe uh, you've got a relationship problem that you need, you need it healed. You need wisdom for some decision that you have to make. All of these things are relevant in this day and age in which we live. There's still power in prayer. And uh, God delights when we ask him for help. You try to think you're going to do it on your own, you're pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps, all that sort of stuff, that doesn't work, folks. Sooner or later, you're going to find that it's, that, uh, it's a failure. And you don't, there's no need to do that. You can look to God and find your answer. Amen? Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you today for your great love for us. Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, that you have given us the instructions on how to be effective in our walk with you, in our daily walk. So, Lord, I pray that we will take this to heart. Holy Spirit, bring these, these points to our remembrance, Lord, as we need them. And we give you praise for that. We want to thank you. Lord, if there's anyone in this building right now who do not know you as their Savior, say, I want to know how to become a Christian, to become a born-again Christian then, Lord, I pray that you'll give them courage to, sit, to take another step and say, okay, Pastor, here I am. I need to know, and I want to know now. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Lord, bless you. You have a great day in Jesus. Have a great week. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.